You are listening to Changing the Game with me, Wilson Casado. What is the game? The game is everything. Everything from the education you receive to the career or business you pursue. In regards to diversity and inclusion, though, there isn't a level playing field. The show will allow us to hear from those who are challenging the status quo. It is about creating a new future where things are done differently, a future with diversity and inclusion, and most importantly, a future where everyone has access to play the game. Hello everyone, welcome to Changing the Game. I'm Wilson Casado, and today I have with me Greg Rib. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wilson. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Greg is a legend in the angel invest scene here in Western Australia. So uh, very hard a person that you know that is in the angel investing scene and doesn't know Greg. So Greg extensive experience uh, in corporate SME and startup has helped him hone a unique set of skills that recognize where enabling technologies combine with highly scalable business models can result in high performance operating business. With over 20 years of experience in most facets of the emerging technology sector, Greg run what was the first technology incubator in Perth, managed a fund investing in technology startups, has been a co-founder of a number of technology business, and more recently, as an advisor to found founders on how to become investment ready, how to get scale, create and capture value, and how to position their ventures to harness returns for shareholders, investors, and stakeholders. Greg's exposure to filtering, assessing, and structuring numerous individual innovative ventures for investment and or acquisition or divestment has helped him better appreciate the perspectives in the sourcing of funds from capital providers, fund investors, co-investors, and business owners. In 2020, Greg was recognized as the Australian Angel Investor of the Year and was awarded the 2020 WA Percy Entrepreneurship Award. So I do know as well, Greg, that as, early, you know, as recent as yesterday, you became a live member of the Perth Angels. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. Very proud of that. Uh, Greg, that's an impressive bio. So, uh, however, I normally start this conversation asking uh, the guests to talk about themselves and a bit beyond what is in the bio. So, who who is Greg? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. That I, you do write those sort of things to just try and sort of you know elucidate or you know expand on what you think your skills and strengths are. Um, but I would actually sit there and say, beyond that, my passion is really just getting out and helping people. You know, I, I get a real bang out of out of working with people, seeing their glint in their eye. Um, you know, being able to sort of just you know that aha moment. This is what I can do to create and capture value. Um, and 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 so that to me, actually, it's it's that interaction with people. That's why I love the Perth Angels. That's love why I love entrepreneurship. I love those mentoring type things because you know working with people is, is really where there's enjoyment. And um, and seeing them achieve um, helps me achieve. Very nice. So, but uh, where you started 
Uh, Greg, are you, did you go to university? What did you study? What did you study? Yeah, I, um, I, 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 this is going back one too many decades, Wilson, but um, um, I, I had these sort of long-term plans of becoming a bean counter. Um, and, um, and then all of a sudden I heard about computers. So my degree was actually in commercial computing. Um, I started off as a geek, a propeller head, um, as a you know software engineer. I got very technical into computing, um, wow. and, and started off with BHP and that sort of stuff. Um, and then just everything moved on from there. Um, and, and it's been a, a, a quite a, just a, an interesting journey from one step to the other to the other, where it's brought me to where I am today. So that that's very interesting. That's something that I didn't knew. They didn't know about you. So good. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a propeller head. I'm the geek, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, but look, for starting the career in that sort of technology area in computing and, and, and you know, going through large companies and et cetera. So at certain point, so you became an investor. So is that, how, how was that journey? What, what happened there? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I, and it's sort of when you put the sort of the journey together, I mean, I went through that sort of technology side of things, you know, and as I said, it was, you know, very technical uh, in that. I then actually got into management, got actually involved in consulting through Arthur Young and Ernst Young at one point in time. Um, and I think a lot of that started to give me those first sort of exposures into innovation. Um, yeah. I then headed up IT and innovation with Jai Insurance during the 90s, and that was very much innovation, commercialization. Um, but it was, it, it was the early parts of 2000 where um, after I left SGIO, uh, uh, I, I managed to join a small not-for-profit and we syndicated with a few other people and, and we're, were able to secure a license from the federal government to actually run an investment fund to invest in IT startups. And so that was actually uh, where we had that first incubator here in Perth where we were, we, in a sense, um, as I often say to people, it was the blind leading the blind talking to the tone deaf because incubators and accelerators were just new terms at that point in time. And so uh, you, you might have called us an accelerator because we provided capital. Um, you know, you might call us an incubator because we actually tried to actually nurture it. So, but it was at that stage there where I actually was running an investment fund where we're actually investing in in technology startups, um, sometimes at the seed, maybe at the development stage. And that's what started it all 20 odd years ago. That's extremely interesting because uh, I, I, I caught myself in, in some conversations have a, a being of that opinion that only 10 years ago, so I was looking around in Perth and it was pretty hard to find those, you know, uh, business incubators or accelerators or, or university hubs that talk about innovation. So in only 10 years ago, so I found it hard. So um, I started to thinking that I was just a bit blind and looking at the same place because you're talking about 20, 25 years ago. So, you know, I have that pioneer group already uh, mm -hmm. making some noise there, which is good. It was a great program. It really was actually. Um, and we needed to learn a lot because, you know, these were concepts or even things that just all across Australia that, that were brand new. Very nice. So, look, uh, maybe on that sort of, uh, you, you mentioned about the one thing about investing these days that uh, the scene is completely different, right? So uh, many more people now have access 
to be able to become an investor in startups and etc. So we still have that sort of, uh, I think is uh, like, I don't know if it's a myth, so we can explore this in this conversation, but people still think, oh, you know, I don't have money to invest on this. I'm, you know, so this is for rich people and etc. So uh, how, how is your take on that? Were you rich when you started investing? No, and, um, you know, I, I, I actually think um, any level of investment, and, and sometimes actually, I mean, a colleague of mine uses a nice term is that, you know, wealth becomes a proxy for knowledge. Um, mm. And it's not necessarily the case. Um, it's knowledge that is actually going to help you actually, um, you know, identify, filter, select, structure and, and manage a, a sort of an investment if you want to come at the early stage. Um, and, and, and so it, it comes down to where's your, you know, your appetite? What's your risk reward profile? What do you like doing? Um, and if you've got a lower one, um, and, and you like other people to look after it, well, you know, that's where managed funds and the stock exchange are a great way of doing it. If you've got a penchant to actually look at emerging tech at an earlier stage, um, you know, this is where angel investing really sort of comes to the fore. Mm. Um, and so I think it's actually understanding that investment process, and it is part of that education bit, to let people know that there is actually, you know, there's some techniques, there's some structures, there's places to, you know, collaborate with that actually can actually help you understand how to actually do it in a, in a, in a risk-mitigated way. It's always risky, but in a risk-managed way. Um, and, 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 and in fact, actually uh, collaborate with others to actually recognise and address that issue of you being time poor. Yep. There's also not being, you know, the sort of the deep pockets. Yep. So, you know, how do you, how do you use a group to actually syndicate your time, your knowledge and your money to actually get enough you know, critical mass that can actually help an early stage venture to, to not only, you know, um, sort of start, but actually take off and succeed. No, that's uh, that's uh, pretty nice. So I'm listening to uh, you saying, and uh, I'm just realizing that while uh, the two of us are quite familiar with the angel investing scene in terms and etc., it might be that some people uh, they will watch us uh, or, or listen to us. So you're not that familiar. So what, what is your take, Greg, about uh, what is angel investor? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think, I think the definition of an angel investor um, is someone that actually uh, applies their time and their own money and their knowledge to actually involve, get involved or um, participate in a venture um, uh, Typically, it's it's not at the R and D stage because, in a, in a way, that's one way of managing risk. There's a lot of good R and D, but it's not until you get it to you know that you've actually got some validation um, that you know you, it, it's worth it's worthy of of of, of, of um, and a way to pursue it. Um, uh, but it's probably what I call the development stage. Some people use startup. Some people use pre C pre A series. You know, it's a different sort of terms, and that's why I think education is good because these terms aren't complex; they're just different, and and you know everyone can actually understand the terms. That's why we run our education things at the Angels because we want people just to understand the terms. Um, yep. And and so I think it's they tend to focus in at that that um, development stage where you know there's you know there's there's been some proof of concept may not actually you know 
into the market yet. They're definitely, definitely not profit. They may not even be revenue. Yep. But we can actually see an opportunity. We can see that what needs to make that opportunity work. And we can see that we, with our network, can actually help make that work. And if we think there's a big opportunity that we can help make work, um, uh, we syndicate together and, and classically that's called angel investing. And there's a whole range of different other definitions of angels. Um, but it's your time, your money, your knowledge, uh, your connections to actually help influence the creation and capturing of value. Uh, very interesting. So is, uh, is that sort of investment that you don't come only with the money, right? So you bring uh, an additional capabilities to it. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, so for example, if you, you and, and again, these are bona fide ways of doing it. You know, I can put my money into a managed fund. I can put my money into the stock exchange. But classically, I'm just, it's a financial investment. I can't influence that venture in any shape or form at all. With yeah. angel investing, I can actually use my my knowledge, my connections, my not necessarily all your time, a little bit of time, um, to actually influence the creation of value. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, uh, yeah, it it, it is uh, more than just money, a lot more than money, and it's a way of you actually being able to influence the accretion of value in your money. Very interesting, uh, Greg. You, you well, you've been on this journey for a while. So you might have lots of uh, stories about uh, startups and, and, and founders and et cetera. So can you think of uh, one story, one very nice story that's worth sharing? So successful story? Yeah, there's probably, um, there's a few of those which are around. Um, uh, you know, and it's interesting how things actually are on a bit of a roller coaster. Um, you know, one venture, couple of ventures that I'm still involved with today, by the way. Um, you know, we took uh, took a position early on um, at where, you know, those ventures have actually grown quite well. Um, and, and the reason they've grown quite well is actually there's a good team. You know, there's a good people. They understand what's actually going on. Um, and so to me, the success stories that you see out of there always comes down to people. Um, you know, in, in the angel group, we often talk about, do we back the jockey or do we back the horse? In that early stage, we back the jockey um, because they know how to ride a horse. Um, and they may not know how to run a race fully at the moment, but that's the knowledge that we can actually help plug those gaps for them. Um, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're the type of things where I found that, that you know, one, they're actually, you know, I'm getting the value that I want out of that level of input. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm getting that enjoyment out of that uh, in doing that. Uh, yeah. and, and but like I say, it's always a roller coaster because <laughs> yeah. things do happen. Um, yeah. But coming out of those sort of dips, it's always people that actually have the resilience to, to you know to do that. So uh, and you saying you're saying about those sort of uh, you know uh, the roller coasters, the ups and downs, and etc. So where you know the journey of those ventures and founders, not an easy one. Uh, and, and being a, a optimistic entrepreneur, so I'm always looking at that sort of in the bright side of it, looking at the positive and et cetera. But someone that's listening to saying, well, but this is really too risky and et cetera, that, there might be some ugly stories or stories of you know, that companies that uh, didn't go well and companies that cease to exist 
So how how is that true? There are many of those, and 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 in those cases, uh, how uh, how you feel about it? Oh no, absolutely. I you know I think like most at that early stage, and that's why we talk about having a you know a fairly broad portfolio of investments to actually manage that 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 broad risk. Um, we actually talk about actually putting little lots of little bits of money out. Not lot, not just one large one, um, to actually, because some are absolutely going to fail, yep. um, and so it's taking that portfolio approach to actually manage that. Getting better at it um, yep. over time, um, uh, uh, you know. I think one of the points we were talking about, you know, is in terms of, you know, what's your risk tolerance. You know, I probably am a little bit, you know, that glass half full type guy. Um, but I think over time, what I've found with those that have not gone well is that actually I can I can have an influence in terms of mitigating the ones that are not going to go well. Um, and so I just take a structured approach and it's getting that sort of validation step by step through that commercialization journey where, you know, if I can actually validate and that gives me some certainty of future value, I'll move to the next step. If I can't see any certainty of future value, well, let me, you know, let's stop. <laughs> yeah, type of thing. Um, and, and and so I, I think for those people that are actually sitting there, yeah, well, it is risky. The answer is yes, it is risky. Um, that's why you need to actually um, treat early stage investing in a very disciplined approach. That's what we do in the angels. It's very disciplined. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we're very disciplined about how do we attract companies to look at. We're very disciplined about how we filter them. We're very disciplined in terms of what we select and we're very disciplined in how we structure it. Yes, there's still always risk along the way, but we're actually using, um, in effect, best practice to actually um, reduce that risk and give greater chance of actually getting an upside. You still will have failures, yep. but you've got a greater chance of having success. Yeah, very nice. So. Uh, one of the things you mentioned is about uh, building a portfolio as opposed to investing in one or two companies here and then and, 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 and you know, to mitigate that risk of one individual company. So, uh, what, okay, so you talk about discipline as well. So discipline to selectives, discipline to be able to choose uh, a deal where you're going to invest. So uh, when, when it comes back to your own decision of investing, do you have a do you have a criteria? Do you choose industries or do you choose any sort of particular aspect in the deals that you look at? Yeah, I think you always do. Um, I, I think another sort of, I guess, lesson I've learned over time is that people just don't invest in what they don't understand. Um, and so, um, what we try and do is actually help people understand. <laughs> you know, you know, areas or new that they're not exposed, new emerging tech. But I think at the end of the day, if, if you're going to you know, use your money, your time, your connections, you're probably going to tend to focus in the ones that you have a better understanding of. And so, you know, my background is software. You know, I've been really lucky over the last 20 years that um, software tends to be an enabler and it's worked across a lot of different industries. Um, uh, so, so I'm probably from a tech side of things, I'm probably more software technology. Yep. Um, uh, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more open today, whether or not that's applied in a medical area, or, 
you know, a, a cyber area or, you know, whatever, you know, yep. um, um, but, you know, I'm probably not going to jump deep into, you know, deep, you know, live pharma uh, or, or, or um, you know, some deep, um, deep medical tech because I probably don't have enough. I mean, I, I know en enough people who do that and I trust them. And so I might jump behind them, <laughs> but I'd probably be more cautious about that. So I think it does influence us in terms of, um, you know, where we want to stick our money. And particularly in the early times, you know, you're building your portfolio, you're probably going to stick with what is your choice. Yep. Um, as you become more confident in your discipline, uh, you'll probably open that up and, and work with other people to help plug the gaps that you've got. So interesting, you, you, start, you start mentioning that, you know, there are the, uh, the, the familiar areas for you, so areas where you feel comfortable, that you feel you can contribute a little bit more and, 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 and uh, some, somehow associate your decisions to, with that. But then you touch another point is, oh, but I know people that know all the stuff that I don't know. And, and, and sometimes I jump with them. So is that, is that a... Is that what the concept of syndication is? Is that why groups like uh, you know uh, angel groups and etc. exist? How that sort of uh, collaboration and syndication play in, a, in play a role in these investments? Yeah, I, I, I actually, and I think the more confident you get in that sort of early stage, those disciplines, you can now start to understand that it's all about you know, the people. It's about the the smarts. It's about the connections. And, and so if you can see where the opportunity is, now it's a matter of what's needed to make that work and where are the gaps and can we plug those gaps? Not looking at it as, oh, just because of that, it won't work. No, let's look at what will make it work if it's a real opportunity. And so syndication, I think, is a, is a great way of addressing that in terms of not only the scarce amount of money, aggregating that to make it properly capitalized to take off and, uh, and, and run. Yep. But um, plugging those, those, um, those capability gaps, those market connection gaps, and that's working with other people where if you're all coming in at that same sort of level, you actually are aligned in your interest, success, and your hopefully your reward, yep. your return. Um, in terms of that, so you, you're all getting in the same boat, rowing in the same direction, heading for the same destination. And so syndication, I think, is a great way of doing that. And it's a really good risk mitigation approach. Very nice. So uh, I, think when you, I think when you talk about syndication and, and collaborating with other investors and et cetera, so I think a uh, trust plays a big role in it. So... Uh, so I believe that sort of building those, those relationships of trust is quite fundamental to that. So um, would, you, would, you have a, would you have a tip or a process that you follow and how, how, you, how you do to build those, you know, to build those relationships, you know, that trust with the people around? Yeah, I, look, I, I, I think trust is absolutely critical in, in, in this sort of stuff because um, you know, you think or you think even not. If you're in a, sorry, you think or you think not. Oh no, I think so. Yeah, absolutely critical. Yes, sorry. Uh, thanks for clarifying. No, definitely, trust is absolutely critical. Um, not only within the founder team itself. I mean, if there's not chemistry there, 
Um, and that's one of the things that you'll look at when you're, you're filtering or selecting a, you know, a business. If the founding team doesn't have chemistry, you know, time to walk away. Um, but it's the same, I think, with the investor group as well. And, um, and I, I think you know, you'll tend to sit alongside people that you've, you've, you've got to know either through your own personal you know, connections, um, which I love doing, um, or um, you know, people that I have a great connection with and I know that they have a tr trust in someone, um, which will actually bring me trust in that person as well. Yep. Um, so it is back down to you know, people very much. Um, and, 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 and so, yeah, I think trust is absolutely critical, both on the investment team, but also in the founding team. Very nice. And, and sorry, between those two teams, sorry, actually between those two teams. Um, you know, and I think uh, that, that becomes big magic, you know, in terms of that. Uh, Greg, so you have these, uh, I, I introduced you saying that you're a legend in the that are angel investing, sort of saying in WA and et cetera. How you see, because at the end of the day, here in WA, we quite, you know, we're famous for being an isolated capital, right? So we, we need to fly a few hours to get to the next capital. So how in the investment scene of these days, that play a role? So is that sort of local versus global mentality? Yeah, I think that's changing a real lot. You know, we were having this conversation just more well, yesterday, actually. You know, we go back sort of 10 years then when we actually found the Perth Angels. Very much then, you know, the dominant um, behaviour in the angel groups is that they actually only invested in their own proximity. And in fact, actually, if I go back to the 2000s, you know, in terms of the venture capital industry, even in Silicon Valley, you know, I, I think there is that no one would invest in anything unless... Uh, uh, that had to be within an hour and a half drive. Mm. You know, that was a metric. You know, nowadays people are investing all over the place. And I think it's because that discipline of, of early stage investing is quite common. It's becoming more common, sorry. And therefore people have a trust in that you're doing the same thing that I need to have done. Um, I think, you know, with, you know, virtual, just even these, you know, virtual side of things, we're talking a lot more. Um, over these types of platforms. Um, so I think, uh, I, I think um, organisate and even the entrepreneurs themselves are now starting to think um, uh, and, in how they can operate globally, not just think globally. I mean, that doesn't get you anywhere thinking, hmm. um, but how to actually operate, <laughs> act um, globally. Um, I think, um, you know, we've got us just as much chance here. In, and I think we've got some natural entitlements even here in our WA where, you know, we're really world-class. And yep. if we can actually play to those world-class strengths, people around the world want to play with world-class. Um, and, and so, we, and, and that's just part of that commercialization and investment ecosystem that we've got to build. Very nice. Uh, and indeed, in the last 10 years, well, the, uh, the change in technology that we had as well. So it drive, drive quite a bit of the behavior of the people, isn't it? And, uh, and well, in the last two years, uh, even, you know, went on steroids with you know, everything that we, we've been yeah. going through, yeah. particularly in this work remotely and, you know, uh, diverse or, or not diverse, but remote teams sort of thing. So that become quite a big thing. Uh, Greg, so uh, do, you, do you still remember... What was your first investment? 
Yeah, it's funny actually. Um, uh, I, I was thinking that through. In fact, it was actually an investor-founder type situation. Yep. And the real interesting that was actually with a colleague of mine. It was in a fintech area, to be frank. Um, and so we built and we built our prototypes. We're still early stage. Um, but as we sort of like developed it further, we realized actually it needed a much bigger organization to really get it run because of just the way the ecosystem was then. Yep. Um, uh, that wasn't bad actually, because we ended up selling the business plans, the concept, the prototypes, and we got a big return out of that. Um, <laughs> That's so, a nice um, story. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was probably, I was still a little bit blind and, um, you know, that was probably more uh, luck than um, uh, best plans. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the first one back in the nineties, actually. <laughs> so, uh, these days, because, you know, you, you create that sort of reputation as investor and, and I wonder there are a uh, few people that come to you, few people that come to you, more, more in the, in the founder side, right? So, uh, founders that are looking for investment, et cetera, ended up having access to you, uh, what do you, uh, first of all, so are you happy with that? You welcome that sort of connection with founders and encourage them to come to you? And when they come, what is that make you make this spark? What is that, you know, you're looking for in those initial conversations? Yeah, I, look, look, I think actually um, I, I do get a buzz out of that. I mean, I, I really enjoy, you know, listening you know, to, you know, new ideas and so on. Um, uh, so, yeah, I welcome actually talking to, um, you know, to people about their ideas. I probably am focusing my time on at a particular stage of the commercialization journey than I did earlier. Um, I, I, I think that which gives me a real buzz is that people start talking about that they've actually, they've got a real world problem that they want to solve, that they know needs to be solved. Mm. And, and, and that, you know, if it's not solved, there's, there's really quite severe implications. And therefore, you know, it, 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 it's a real world problem. It's a deep problem. And there's a real need. Um, that's probably my first test. If, 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 if what I've got is someone just got a great idea and they can't really tell me what the problem is, well, I'll give them that advice. And I think they need to go away and work on that because that's, that's not generally a journey to success. Um, uh, Very interesting. So they're really a really good articulation of what the problem you're trying to solve is quite key in that early stage, isn't it? Uh, look, I really think so. And, and you know, if, if if it is a and generally speaking, the reason these things come in really innovative and the, and the innovators and the entrepreneurs is because for whatever life reason or life experience or you know they've observed something that you and I just haven't, you know, because there's too much, too much noise or you know, quite frankly, when you know, we're not deep enough in that area. We don't get ourselves exposed, but they have, and they've observed that there's a real world problem here and they've got potentially an idea on how to actually, you know, solve that. Um, that actually, they're the really interesting ones that sort of sort of talk through. Um, yep. and, and for me, it's, it's understanding their, how they're going to take that journey forward, how they're going to execute. Yep. Um, and if I can give some advice on that, very happy to do that. Yep. Um, uh, and, and, and so, uh, yeah. Very nice. So, uh, Greg, we're actually coming to the end of our chat, so, but I, will, I still have a question that I will break that out in two, so to get your opinion on that. 
So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is education, right? So, and, 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 and having that sort of perspective that you have, having seen uh, the industry change in the last 20 years. So uh, I reckon that uh, one, one I do know that you, you offer your wisdom doing, you know, angel investing training. Uh, so one part of the question will be that. So like, uh, what are the key aspects that you, that you hear that people have a different, different perception of what really is when you, when you try to educate people about angel investing? Uh, the other one is what about the founders? Do you, do you notice, have you noticed any difference between uh, the background in education about being an entrepreneur that founders had 20 years ago and what is going on today? So how these schools are changing that sense? Yeah. Um, for, for, probably answering that uh, second one first, <laughs> you know, in terms of the entrepreneur side of things. Um, without, without doubt, I think in terms of the broader education area and just the, the level of activity and momentum, and therefore it's more in people's eyes, and particularly over the last few years, I think there's more people sitting there saying, well, maybe there's an opportunity for me in terms of being, you know, taking an entrepreneurial path. Um, and, and, and there's been a huge shift, you know, globally, Australia, WA, where you know the days evolved, where you, you know you had a job for forty years, <laughs> um, yeah. you know to now the, the sort of the gig economy, and people are actually are getting quite attuned to being more agile, um, yeah. and now people are actually thinking about how they can actually exploit a potential problem with an idea that they can take forth, and so I think that's actually grown quite a lot, um, and I think there's been some good entrepreneurial programs that we've had in this state. In Australia, that is actually helping people gain that capability and skills. Nice. Um, um, you know, from the investor side, and I think actually structuring your an answer to your question is that um, inevitably capital or money comes into the deal because the entrepreneurs need fuel to fuel their business, yep. capital. Yep. Um, and, you know, so they're the entrepreneurial side of the coin. And then there's the investor side of the coin is looking to apply their surplus cash in a way to get a better return. Um, I, I think for me, where I've seen the big, um, where I think there's been a bigger gap in the marketplace, and that, that really is quite different in WA as it is in some of the other states and around the world, um, where uh, they haven't, the general population doesn't really understand the full capital and finance spectrums. Yep. The various op, op, um, sources of capital and the various appetites. Yep. And therefore they're not sure where they fit in yep. um, and how they can fit in. And so that's one of the things we try and do you know, through the Perth Angels is just allow them just to understand what that spectrum is. Yep. And depending upon the risk reward appetite that they've got, they can either play a little bit earlier or a little bit later. Quite yep. frankly, for us in the angel group, we're quite happy for just people working out where they want to play because what we want is increased investment capacity hmm. to actually support these entrepreneurs as they go through their various journey. Yep. So we want more at the early stage and we want a lot more at the later stage. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so it, it, I think that to me is, is probably the, um, is, is that biggest, biggest gap is 
just understanding that spectrum and where there are opportunities for people to actually play and yep. manage those um, risk reward profiles. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned something about that, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledge itself about, you know, what are the asset classes over there that I can invest on. So we have a conversation yesterday with a financial advisor that, that came to one of our events uh, and she was uh, sharing with us the fact that she is a financial advisor, but she herself uh, know very little about, you know, other than, other than mainstream asset classes that people invest on. She, she is not even, uh, you know, capable to advise otherwise because she doesn't have that knowledge, so. Yeah, that's exactly my point. And, and I think particularly in this state, um, you know, uh, the dominant um, investment practices has either been at listed or yep. property. That's and right. what we want to do is to not stop people doing that, but maybe just allocate a smaller amount, but some interest in, in actually uh, investing. And it is different um, it, at that sort of emerging private uh, um, tech or emerging venture. Fantastic, Greg. Greg has been a delight. So every time that we have these conversations, uh, the feeling is always the same. So the feeling is that uh, we could stay here for an hour having a chat or two hours. So I'm not sure if the the one that's listening in the podcast would, would be happy with that hour plus. <laughs> so we, need, we need to finish at a certain point. So uh, Greg, again, uh, it's a privilege. I'm very grateful for you being here with us. Uh, thank you very much. No, it's actually the privilege is mine, um, Wilson. I think what you're doing is just absolutely sensational because I think we've got to get out to the community, all of these, to give them insights as to what's possible. And if they can actually start to imagine that they can be part of that, yep. maybe we're going to get some movement. And so I, I think this is fantastic. So kudos to you. No, thank you. And, and, and that's the idea. So we're here for that. We're here to change the game. So help the people to... Uh, understand a little bit more that you know uh, everything that they can be, and potentially use the you know the, the innovation, the education, and and diversity as tools for that. So yeah, uh, I, I'm enjoying that journey a lot, and well, that journey is only possible you know with guests like you. So thank you very much. Thank you everyone. This was uh, changing the game with Greg Ribb. <laughs>